you, Chancellor Barb, for the beautiful anthem of trust this morning. And thank you, Jimmy, for the wonderful offertory this morning of assurance, uh, of where our blessed assurance is in, G uh, in Jesus. And I noticed, Jimmy, when you finished, you did exactly what I do every week after I'm done preaching a sermon, a big sigh of relief, right? <laughs> y'all may not, y'all are going to start paying attention to me now when I sit down after the sermon and see that sigh of relief every Sunday. But indeed, and there is, and the reason I bring that up is that in the presence of God and in the presence of his word, it is a sigh of relief. I mean, we are in the presence of Jesus. I mean, what do we have to worry about? What do we have to fear? He's everything. He is more than enough for whatever it is that you bring into this place today. And as his word is open today, my, I'm about to pray for the, uh, for the word that will come forth, but my pastoral prayer for each of you as the word comes forth today is that you would feel his presence, that you would see him, that you would hear him saying to you, you are beloved, you are mine and you have nothing to fear. So friends, as we prepare to dig more deeply into God's word today, let us with a sigh of relief go before our God in prayer. And now, O oh Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O oh God, we pray that you would come and speak to each of us here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. I also learned this morning uh, how many of you are, uh, read the title of the sermon in the bulletin because a number of you gave your age away to me this morning when you greeted me and said, hey, your sermon is about me today. Um, if you don't have the bulletin in front of you for those joining online or on the radio, the title of today's sermon is Go at Age 75 go at age 75. And if you were listening closely or reading along closely with the scripture lesson today, you know where that comes from. In verse, in, in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 12, the writer of Genesis, who we assume to be Moses, provided us with a neat little detail. He decided to let us know how old Abram was. And the Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis, is full of little details like this. If you've read the Bible all the way through, or if you have read Genesis all the way through, you know that one of the places that will easily catch you in your goal to read through the whole Bible are those genealogies that are in the book of Genesis, where it tells who uh, it tells all of the lines of people, tells how old they were when they died. And people, and remember, in the book of Genesis, back in this time, people lived hundreds upon hundreds of years. But most likely, when Abram is 75 years old, he is probably like many of us are at different stages in life. He most likely was not ready to move anywhere at age 75. And yet, look what happens in verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord speaks to him, and he tells him, to paraphrase what, you heard, what we have heard already, he basically says, Abram, you got to leave it all behind. you got to go to a new place, and you don't know where it is. You're not really sure where you're going to be going. You've just got to trust me to lead you. No GPS. I am your GPS to get you there. You have to obey, and I'm going to give you guidance one step along the way. And in addition to that, I am going to bless you. I am going to give you more than you could ever imagine. All of this is ahead of you, and you are invited, Abram, to follow my command and to go where I send you. And so we hear in verse 4 that Abram, at the age of 75, 
goes. That's all we know. There's no arguing. There's no second guessing. There's no, uh, there's no account of the argument he probably had with Sarai when he said that we, they would have to move and take everything with them at a time where they were probably very settled where they were in the place of their heritage. But we hear Abram who feared God, he went and the Lord, as the Lord had told him, he took his nephew Lot with him, he took Sarai, he took many with him, and we find out, that, find out his age. And the reason I wanted to highlight this, we're in a series this summer about when the Lord tells us to go. And throughout scripture, God is telling us to act. God is telling us to go. And sometimes it's a physical movement, like with Abram, saying, I want you to go to a new place. I want you to move. When Jesus tells his disciples to go out two by two, he tells them to go. But a lot of times the scripture is also telling us to go down to our knees in prayer. The, the scriptures are telling us to go into the secret place and spend time waiting before the Lord. So it's different types of going that, that's involved here. And one of the things that we hear so often that I agree 100% with in the life of the church is that the future of the church is our children and our youth. Absolutely, it is. And we saw that illustrated beautifully today with our children here who are going to vacation Bible school, and we are so thankful for the future that is in them. And I would add the future is, the future of the church is all of us. We all have a role to play. We all have commands to follow at all ages. God is no respecter of ages any more than he is a respecter of persons of very, uh, for, diff for different reasons. God has called all of us to go and to do and to act and to obey him. And Abram provides for us today a wonderful example of what happens when we obey, of what happens when we go as God tells us to go. And I'm going to focus today, I'm going to invite you to focus with me on the last few verses of, to, of today's passage, beginning in verse 6. And one of the things I want to do, because when we get to verse 6, we find out some really interesting details of Abram's journey into the promised land. And one of the, and every detail in the Bible, friends, every detail from Abram's age to, um, to the places that he goes through, there is meaning in every single detail. And I just want us to take a few minutes today to look at some of these details because when Abram leaves his homeland, he leaves his family, he, le he takes some of his family with him, but he leaves some of his family behind. When he leaves everything that is secure to him, he's making a sacrifice, isn't he? He is, start he is going on a sacrificial journey. All of us, when we follow Jesus, we have to make sacrifices. It is so easy for us to think that following Jesus is all about living comfortably and living a life of security and living a life of where things are easy. And that, and yes, there are seasons of ease. Yes, we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, as the psalmist says, when we follow, as we follow after Jesus. But that doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. We are called to make sacrifices. We are called to make decisions. Obedience requires sacrifice of us. And Abram sets a wonderful example for us of how he continued to live sacrificially. And that is how we must be as well. Constantly living, not for our own glory, but for God's glory. Constantly obeying, not for our own good, but for the good of the kingdom here on earth. And looking at verse 6, we have a wonderful illustration of this starting in verse 6. So I invite you to look with me here. Abram passed through the land, uh, passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oaks, uh, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord 
appeared to Abram. Back up just a moment with me to that word Shechem, the location Shechem. That comes up multiple times. That name appears multiple times in the Bible. And the word Shechem literally means a shoulder. It literally means a sho- the, like the shoulder of the human body. Think about this for me with a moment. Year, thousands of years later, this, thousands of years later, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would carry a cross that would ne- to which he would be nailed to hold the sins of the world, to hold the suffering of the world, he would put that weight on his own shoulder. He would put that weight on his shoulder and carry it for our redemption, for our reckoning, and for our, and for our sake. And that is what, when Abram is passing through this area, he is passing through the shoulder. He's pointing not just to where he's going, but to the generation that's going to come after him. His descendant, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, would indeed carry the burden on his shoulder of the whole world so that we might be saved. And, what, and, and it is nearby, we hear in the same verse, the Oak of Moray. The word Moray there means teacher on the hill. Teacher on the hill. Well, Jesus was known as rabbi. He was called rabbi by his followers, which means literally teacher. And he was crucified on a hill called Calvary. Do you see the details there, friends, that Abram is walking a path that it's not geographically the same path that Jesus walked, but he is walking the same spiritual path, paving the way, making the way, making the way straight for when Jesus would come to bear the weight of the world on his shoulder and to become the teacher who would be crucified on the hill for our sake. And this is what Abram is doing. He's taking one step at a time as the Lord leads him. And we hear in the beginning of verse 7, and I just love verse 7. This is one of those hidden treasures in the Bible where it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, To your offspring, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Back in verse 1, when Abram was still in the past, when he was still in his homeland, before he took that step of obedience to go where God told him to go, the Lord spoke to him. He heard the voice of God, but it was after he obeyed that he saw God. It was after he took those steps of faith. It was after he began to walk in obedience to trust and obey that he saw God. The Lord came and appeared to him. And it's the same for us, friends, when we obey, when we take those leaps of faith, when we trust in the one who can be trusted when we cannot trust each other or barely trust ourselves. He is the one who appears to us and shows himself to us in new and powerful ways, but we have to take those steps. I love the verse in Psalm 119. Many of you know it by heart as well. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Abram is, li- is living by that. The re- one of the reasons I love that verse is because it, it basically is saying to us that as we take steps of obedience, as we move towards the cross, as we live sacrificially, that the Lord has got a lamp on our feet so we can see the next step in front of us. And as each step is illuminated, he lights up the path ahead of us as well. So he wants us to see a little bit far ahead, but not too far ahead because he's inviting us to walk in faith, to take those steps of obedience. And that is what Abram is demonstrating. The second time that we see some details that I want to point out here come up with us in verse 8. I invite you to look with me again at verse 8. After the Lord appears to Abram, Abram moves on. He keeps on walking. He keeps on going. And he goes to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitches his tent, Bethel on the west, 
and I on the east. Now, Bethel, that's an easy word for us to translate. It means house of God. It is a place where the presence of God resides. Now, A-I, the, this, I think it's pronounced I, I'm not ent- entirely sure. Um, when I was researching this this week, I learned a valuable lesson I'd like to share with you. A-I is a popular acronym these days, but it is not talking about this, this place in the Bible. It is talking about artificial intelligence most of the time. So if you do a search online for AI in the Bible, just don't do it. All right, Let, just a word of warning. Don't even go there. Um, it was, I realized in that moment, I was sitting at my desk in my office, and there are literally five steps between my computer and all of the study Bibles and all of the commentaries on my shelf. And I was, do, I was taking the easy route thinking, I'll just look up what AI in the Bible means um, on my computer. Well, I got those five steps in right away to go and find a commentary to find this because there was a lot. Now, I don't know there's artificial intelligence in the Bible. That's not, that's out of my wheelhouse. But, but this particular place, I, in the old Canaanite region, that word literally translates to heap of ruins heap of ruins. I'm not getting into the artificial intelligence argument about that. But AI in the Bible, I, is a heap of ruins. So God tells Abram to build an altar and to go to this place between the house of God and the heap of ruins. Between the house of God and the heap of ruins, why on earth would that be? Why, would God, why wouldn't God call him to go and make an altar and make a sacrifice at the house of God? Because Abram lived in that in-between space that we all live in, friends, between between heaven and sin, between the heaven and the redemption that God has provided to us in the house built by the blood of his precious son, and then on the other side of it, the heap of ruins that sin has made our life into. And we are called to live in the middle. We are called to move away from the life of ruin and move towards the house of God and to live sacrificially in between. Everywhere that Abram goes, he makes a sacrifice. He builds an altar. He invokes the name of the Lord at the end of verse 8. And we hear in verse 9, he continues to journey towards his destination in stages. And what we can assume there is he was constantly stopping and making sacrifices. He was constantly stopping to worship the Lord. Well, I want to just give you a point of reference here. If you are ever in a situation or in a group or in a, or in a place where all of a sudden the tension gets high or stress is high or, or there's or, or anger and emotions begin to boil over, one thing you can never go wrong with is to stop and say, okay, everybody, let's just, let's just pray for a moment. If, it's, if you're in your place, you're comfortable doing that. Let's just stop and take a deep breath and let's just turn our attention to Jesus. For a moment, nothing diffuses a situation quite like, even if you can't do it with the whole group, just doing it yourself, stopping and saying, okay, Jesus, I build an altar here for you. I come and I worship you in this moment right here. Abram models that for us, living in between the ruins and the house of God, walking this middle way, this narrow way that Jesus has paid for us with his blood and with his life. We can indeed walk that path of obedience, but what God desires of us, friends, and he wants to appear to us, he wants for us to see him and to hear him in new ways, we have to be willing to make the sacrifices. We have to be willing to take those steps of faith. And one thing we can know for sure is that he will meet us. He will bring his house to us, his presence to where we are as we move towards his presence and as we seek to do his will. 
And the way in which we learn to do that is we do what Abram did, which is we learn how to hear the voice of God. We learn how to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. And one reason I wanted to go into these details with you in these few verses today is to set a model for how some of you are probably already reading the scripture. And if you're not, I want to invite you to do this, which is to take some verses of scripture when you're reading them and dig down into them and dig down into them and say, Lord, what does this word mean? Lord, what does this phrase mean? Lord, show me where, uh, show me where I, I am in the scripture. Show me who you are in the scripture and take the time to really dig into some of these details. And that is one way we begin to really learn the voice of the Holy Spirit is by not imposing our own interpretation on the Bible, but instead saying, Lord, bring out of this what it is that you want to show me. And if you've got a good study Bible, if you have got theologically sound footnotes before you, if you have got a good translation in front of you, and you've got the voice of the Holy Spirit, that is all that you need, friends. And one of the th ways that we can learn to hear God more clearly and then to see him more clearly is indeed to dig into what he is saying in his word. It takes time, it takes effort, and it is worth every single step of obedience because of what he is able to reveal to us, and we can't help but give him thanks. We can't help but give him worship. And as we see in today's passage, he reveals to us that this is available to all who seek after him, from the age of five to the age of 75 to the age of 105. We are all part of his church. We are all part of the body of Christ. We are all part of the future, the present and the future of what he's doing. So let's leave the past behind. Let's step out of our comfort zones and let's move forward as his word leads and guides us. Let's move forward on that narrow middle path that Jesus has set before us, shouldering the cross that he has given to us, walking the path of sacrifice, giving up ourselves, let us live in that in-between place with joy. Let us move forward in hope and let us be filled with a sacrificial love that flowed from the teacher on the hill down to 